You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Meanwhile, let me just take a few minutes since we've been heavy, heavy football. Let me just take a few minutes as you hear me smiling. You can tell I'm smiling all over your smart device. And I'm just going to talk a little baseball for a moment. I mean, the weather is baseball weather. Very happy that the Mets reportedly have re-signed Mr. Edwin Diaz. Five years with an option for sixth. Over $102 million is what I'm seeing. Close to reaching uh, that deal. And for me, it is other than what uh, Aaron Judge was able to do this year. I mean, Edwin Diaz was about as dominant coming out of the bullpen as anybody in the National League. Dominant. 32 saves, 1.13 ERA, 100 strikeouts in 62 innings. 118 strikeouts in 62 innings. I mean, it is it is amazing. And you hear these conversations about, you know, players who, oh, I don't like playing in New York. The fans are so brutal. They boo. They do this. They do that. I submit to you two players. Okay, two players. I submit for your approval, as you used to say in the Twilight Zone. Look it up in your online. They'll tell you about it. Giancarlo Stanton and Joe, you know what I'm saying. And Edwin Diaz. These players were booed unmercifully (laughs) all the time. Booed, 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 booed. And both of them just put it behind them and go out on the field and do their job. Now, Stanton did not have the year that you would expect him to have this year. And listen, he wasn't alone. And Edwin Diaz, over the past couple of years, before this year, you were just you were just ready to just kick him out. You were just like, can we get rid of him? Can we just trade him? Can we send him somewhere else? Is there somewhere else we can get rid of? We got to get rid of him. We got to get rid of him. He's done. He's, we don't want to talk to him anymore. I don't see him. Yet he was able to turn things around. I mean, Met fans love him so much that they're blaming the trumpeteer <laughs> for issues with the Mets. <laughs> not Edwin Diaz. All right? And that's not how it would have been a couple of years ago. So I'm very happy that Diaz has his long-term contract. Some might say that's a lot of money for a reliever, a lot of money, a lot of years, but he was, listen, that's why you have an owner like Steve Cohen. That's why, as a Met fan, you're happy because he's going to do what he needs to do to pay people that he deems his baseball folks tell him that are necessary for this team to continue to grow. 
Still very curious as to what he's going to do with Jacob DeGrom. Still very curious. There's a bunch of other free agents. What's he doing with Carrasco? What's he doing with, uh, you know, a couple of other players? Still very, very curious to see, like Brandon Nimmo, what's he going to do? But along with that, he also needs to add another hitter or two on this team. This team won 101 games and just couldn't get that key, key hit. So I think they need to add another hitter or two. And then I'll feel a little better about this team. All right. The other thing is I'm also very curious to see if Chris Bassett, he sounds like from comments that he's going to opt out and be a free agent. So I'm, you know, I'm very curious to see what happens with him. And his last couple of starts, I mean, he was solid all year. The last couple of starts were not good for him. So I'm interested to see. But that's that's when we start getting to our hot stove. It's it's, it's hot, but it's not hot stove weather yet. We're going to wait another month before we really start getting into the hot stove conversation. But once again, just wanted to you know, take a moment to acknowledge my, my, my Met fans to say that we're very happy that Edwin Diaz is back uh, because I think that was one of the priorities that had to be done to keep this team. Because really, I mean, and look, Adam Adovito was was okay, was was good. Seth Lugo was okay. Trevor Williams was was very good. Uh, you know, you had some other guys in the bullpen that were up and down. But really, when you talk about the circle of trust, the only person in that circle of trust for me was Edwin Diaz. And I got to tell you, that that's pretty funny to say. <laughs> Considering I would come on after blown Met games where he would come in pointing his finger up like it's a pop fly and it's over the fence. I give him credit, though. He, he bounced back in a big way. 1-800-919-3776. Lee's in Brooklyn. What's up, Lee? Hey, Larry. How you been, man? I've been good, Lee. What's going on, man? Oh, man, listen, I've been calling the wrong number <laughs> to try to get on the show. Now. When you said the number, I was like, wait a second. That's not the number I've been dialing for two weeks. Um, Barry, you know, the situation, man, here is um, and, uh, with the jet situation. Mm-hmm. You know, I was told I was on drugs about a month ago. Um, one of your famous callers described me as saying that the Jets, you know, but, you know, the Jets are a good team. Right, we got mm-hmm. finally got people in the stands watching the game, and they're happy to see the Jets winning. What what more could you ask for? But they still play very hard through the years. I think, like you were saying, they got a good system um, to basically start to name players off and say, "Oh, this players this." I, I I think it's an overall collective effort mm-hmm. by everybody involved that makes a successful team. Like when the basically they say when the Bills got that uh, run, they got that wide receiver. Um, again, I never say that the best player on the field is the quarterback. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, yeah. Um, and basically, um, and he became a better quarterback. You know, of course, if you got a guy that can run routes and do things, come on. These guys are smart. They're intelligent. You have to think as a uh, uh, wide receiver. You can't just basically be out there saying, I can just run fast. Come on, man. Let's, let's, let's stop playing the intelligent game here. Throwing the ball is not a hard thing. We just needed somebody to be able to throw the ball growing up as kids. But back to the Jets situation. It's a they're awesome. 
And um, I don't like basically. I'm not trying to basically say they're going to win the Super Bowl, but um, I've just been enjoying the season. Um, I've been enjoying to see different players on the field play play so good, Larry. They just they just putting forth great effort mm-hmm. to win the game. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to hear what you think about that. All right, Lee. Thanks for the phone call. Glad you got the number right. Now we can hear from you again. Listen, I understand what you're saying. And you had better foresight than a lot of us. All right. But there's not a whole lot of folks who would thought that this team would come together and put forth an effort, especially the way they did against Buffalo. And listen, Josh Allen, you heard the soundbite. He didn't play well today. There's no question he didn't, but he was forced to play that way because of the jet defense. Okay. They put him in situations where they made him uncomfortable and they had two turnovers and you just don't see him make those turnovers like that. And they and as Rich Samini mentioned, you didn't hear from Stefan Diggs in the second half of this game. You didn't hear his name. He caught one pass, and that was called back because of a holding penalty in the second half. So he was invisible. He was ghost. And so you're right. As a collective effort, the team has played well. However, as you know, there's everybody is not equal. So there's some players that you need to play better. And today you got that from your quarterback. Now, if he can continue to play that way and everybody else continues to play and do their job, you might have something really exciting to talk about even more at the end of the season. When we return, Jay Bromley will join us and your calls as well on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Right now, we welcome in a good friend of the show. Haven't had a chance to chat with him for a while. It's good to catch up with Jay Bromley, the former Giant, former NFL defensive lineman. We welcome into The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Jay, how are you? Hey, Larry. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. My pleasure. Good to talk to you after a while, my friend. Yeah, man. It's been too long, man. I've been watching this season, waiting to talk to you. <laughs> well, listen, even though they had the bye week, let me start with your former team, the New York Giants. What... What has stood out to you uh, this year that has made them so successful, giving them six wins uh, as they enjoyed the bye week this week? Um, really, probably just taking on the personality of their head coach, man. Just a hard-nosed team. Um, not a team that's going to wow you offensively, but definitely a team that, you know, is gritty and you can't overlook them. Um, a team like that can, you know, put themselves in any game, and therefore they can win any game. Are you surprised at the way Saquon Barkley has bounced back from injury now that he's fully healthy? I'm not surprised. Um, he's a you know generational talent when it comes to the running back position. Uh, his you know longevity has been in question because of the injuries. But now that we have an opportunity to see him, you know, consecutive games, you know, over 70, 80 yards rushing, really solidifying that offense and giving you know the whole Giants a chance every week. Daniel Jones looks like a different quarterback defensively from your eyes when you see him. What's different about him that than has been in previous years? Um, just a little bit more patience. Um, I would like to say a little bit more patience, an opportunity to truly, man, just you know, take control of the offense. You're kind of starting to see some of that Bills offense play in there, right? You know, him running every single game, running for 50-plus yards a game, throwing the ball, and his running opened up the opportunity to throw the ball, and then playing phenomenal defense in the red zone and, and stopping teams from scoring. So he's really just starting to come into himself where he's a, he's a dual-threat guy. I think we got to say that about Daniel Jones now. 
do you find it surprising that the Giants are able to put points on the board considering the issues they have with their receiving core? I mean, they've had a lot of injuries. Uh, they don't really have a quote-unquote number one receiver, but they still find ways to put points on the board. Yeah, I don't know if they have a receiver over 300 yards, uh, you know, catching or receiving this season. Um, but figuring out a way to get it to everybody, everybody stepping up, you know, at different times. You don't know the name of the person catching the ball most times. You know what I'm saying? That's pretty interesting, especially coming from, you know, when we had Odell Beckham and Victor Cruz and, and Shepard and all those things. But they're figuring out a way to get it done, and everybody's chipping in uh, to be successful. Jay Bromley's my guest. All right, Jay, let's look at this Jet team, and I'm going to – pick your brain, your defensive brain. When you look at this Jet defense, what are some of the things that stick out in your mind? The Jets are a team, man, that uh, they have great pass rush, right? They have they have really good interior rushes, you know, with Frankens and obviously with Williams. Um, and, and overall, man, they, they were known to be a gritty defense overall. So I think that is always going to be the calling card is the Jets defense and what they can do with Sauce Gardner and the secondary and blitz and really hold teams accountable that way. Um, that's the first thing that comes to mind. If they can play good defense, they can be in any game. Obviously, when it comes, it's a, the game is played offense and defense. When it comes to the other side of the ball, losing their number one punch as far as their running back is really hurtful for their young quarterback. And therefore, it makes the defense uh, have to play more snaps. And that's going to you know, take a hit in their statistics. Uh, rate this secondary for me with, with the rookie, Sauce Gardner. What are you seeing from him? What are some of the things that impress you about him, if any? I think he's a long-rangey corner, um, kind of that, you know, Richard Sherman mold of being long-rangey, right, can catch the ball. He's not getting a crazy amount of targets his way, right, so he doesn't have the interceptions per se. Um, but eventually I think teams will continue to work and test him, uh, test his man coverage work, you know, versus some of the top receivers in the league, and then obviously test his eyes and his discipline and, and, and um, you know, his zone coverage. So obviously over time we'll see more from him. I don't think it's a big enough – opportunity to see him really go against the best receivers night in and night out and shadow them and really see if he can be a Darrell Revis shutdown corner kind of guy. My guess is Jay Bromley talking about the, you know, teams in the National Football League is to drive on 98.7 ESPN. Jay, I'm going to take you around the league for today. We just saw in a game that ended, oh, about a half hour or so ago, Tom Brady again. Uh, here's a guy who has been struggling. This, this Tampa Bay defense, Tampa Bay team has been struggling. But he finds a way to go five of six for 60 yards on the game-winning drive, and he finds a way to win. He, he's starting, though, with, with all the – we're hearing all the stuff that's going on off the field with him. What are you seeing from him? Is he, has he taken a step back, or is it, is it him? Is it the team around him? What are you seeing from Tom Brady compared to the last couple of years in Tampa Bay this year? I mean, we have to be honest, man. What is it? Father Tom is undefeated. That's the, that's the name of the game. We can't ignore that that being a truth. And you add you 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 couple that with all the things going off on off the field. Man, you cannot overlook those things. Man, you cannot overlook the situation at home and how it's affecting him mentally and having to go to work every day. He can say he's trying to mentally block it out, but it's obviously showing up at different points in time. Maybe not all the time, but sometimes. Um, Tom Brady isn't Tom Brady when he was you know 26, 27 years old. That's just a reality. And the team has to understand how to put him in the best position to be successful. And then ultimately, you know, he's going to hold himself accountable to greatness. And it just may not look the same, right? It might be more running the ball. It might be more screens. It might not be throwing the deep ball as much. It, it, as he adjusts, man, he is in the end of his career. 
we cannot overlook that and expect him to be LeBron James. You know what I'm saying? And still be jumping, dunking every single game. We have to respect him for who he is, what he can do, his mind, and also understand that, man, things are not going to look the same as far as 400-yard games every other week. Hey, Jay, from a defensive standpoint, when you look at Aaron Rodgers and the struggles that Green Bay are having, uh, is there something with him? Is he on starting on the downside, or is it just a simple situation of – you know, he doesn't have the the necessary weapons around him where he could put some more points on the board for Green Bay. Uh, I think the reality of it is, man, we're seeing the the effect of not having the you know top one, top two receiver in the league. That pad is just that's for a thousand yards, twelve hundred, thirteen hundred yards, and ten touchdowns every single year. Um, now you take that away, other guys have to play different positions. Other guys have to make plays. And, and then you have a bunch of young guys like he, he he's very forward in the media about of not really always understanding where to be. Um, so in, in all of that, man, he has to be a better leader, man. He has to be a leader from the front of the room and he has to, you know, really lead by example, getting those guys in there, getting everybody up to speed and making sure that they're, you know, doing things that, you know, bring the best out of the people that are on the field. Um, ultimately, that's because you're not you're not going to bring uh, a number a first round pick in that's going to come in and do their thing unless you know pass the pay, pass the trade deadline. So you got to make do with what you have. So if that's the case, you can't belittle the people that are around you. You have to build them up. A great leader, LeBron James went to teams and they automatically went to the finals. It was because he was good enough to level the play of everybody around him. And we're seeing if Aaron Rodgers can do that. Hmm, interesting. It doesn't look like that so far. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Right. <laughs> He's been struggling so far, Jay. He's been struggling. Take me through this Philadelphia Eagles team. I mean, I look at Jalen Hurts. I looked at what he was the first couple of years, not being able to throw the football, didn't want him to throw. He was running. He was just running, running. Now he looks like a totally different quarterback. What are you seeing from this Philadelphia Eagles team? Are they as good as their undefeated record? Philly just decided to – allow Jalen Hurst to be exactly what he's good at. They started to really, you know, turn into another triple option, right? The RPOs, which are basically a triple option um, with him at quarterback. They started to allow him to be himself. And obviously having a really good defense, right, is helpful, right, of, of getting the ball back, of having more opportunities at bats, right? And then he's just – when you have the quarterback that can run as dynamically as he can, it, it really puts a lot of stress on the defense um, because they can't account for him. And if they do account for him too much, then they got to not account for other people as much. And he has some dynamic receivers. So Philly is a game where they just kind of put you in a whirlwind. There's really nothing they can't do. Run the ball, throw the ball, play action, uh, triple option. There's nothing they can't do. So from seeing his elevation, man, from obviously years ago, potentially thinking he was out of it when he gets benched for a tour, right? Thinking that a, a, a lesser person, mentally tough person, they don't come back from that. Right, we got to give him his his credit, man. A guy, a person that gets benched in the national championship game at Alabama, then he goes, starts for Oklahoma, go becomes a Heisman finalist, mm. and and then gets drafted high, and then starts to produce after so many doubts. You got to give him, you know, his credit when it's due, and he's proven that he's one of the top tier quarterbacks in this league. You know, you just mentioned uh, Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, he looks pretty good now that he's got Tyreek Hill and Waddle. And <laughs> he looks like a different quarterback down there in Miami who won today over Chicago. Take me through those two quarterbacks. Take me through the, the Tua and Justin Fields, who you're starting to see get more and more confidence. And if he had a couple more weapons, I think Chicago would be a little bit more dangerous than what they are. 
and you hit the nail on the head, man. It's about weapons. It's about, um, you know, the scheme, right, putting you in position to win. And people thought that maybe Tyreek Hill made the wrong decision, right? He didn't want to – whatever reason happened in Kansas City, he goes to Miami thinking that, obviously, we all think in our minds, that's a declining quarterback, okay? You don't get much better than Patrick Mahomes. That was black and white. And two is not better than Patrick Mahomes, right? But he's playing some great service of ball. ball. He's, he's putting the ball in the right places. Tyreek Hill, you know, really making a lot of plays, leads the league in receiving yards. And um, and obviously having Waddle at the other end, man, they're a dynamic duo. So two is really just, you know, kind of coming into himself, right? And obviously all the drama with the concussions and all that stuff, so missing time. So he his numbers would be even better if he didn't go through those things. Uh, Justin Fields is a similar position. Right, we gotta look at him as man. He's a first-round quarterback. He has dynamic ability. All the people we're talking about, for the most part, have dynamic ability. Patrick Mahomes is not known for being a runner, but he's phenomenal sometimes when he decides to run. Um, so we we really gotta understand that this league is kind of developing into that triple threat option at quarterback who can really put a lot of stress on defenses because you can't contain them all the time. Makes life for deep D linemen like yourself a little a little uneasy, right? <laughs> Oh, for sure, man. I, it is it is not fun trying to contain those quarterbacks that can get out of there and you get a sack. And then nowadays, man, you don't even want to hit them too hard. So now you're trying to figure out how you can hit them without really hurting them. So all these things go through your mind, and then, you know, it's too much going on. Last thing, Jay, and, and I'm glad you brought that up. Take me through the D line, the defensive player's mind, especially lineman or linebacker. You're rushing the quarterback. How do you know when to hit him? Do you – your thought process, how do you put that into the way you've been taught how to defend and tackle and pressure the quarterback? How do you now make the adjustment to fit into the rules where you don't get a rushing, a roughing the passer penalty? Look, man, for, the, for, the, your, for your life as a defensive lineman, you've been taught, man, to think about running through the quarterback. Like, the thought process is like, I don't want to hurt nobody. I don't want to take him out for the year, but I would love to take him out for this game, right? Because usually the number two, he's really not as good as the number one, and he doesn't have these reps. It just bumps our chances of winning 100%, right? So the opportunity to knock out quarterback, that was what your goal was, right? So now that the game is changing, I've been in those deep, deep defensive rooms where the defensive coordinator has to talk to the team about how to hit the quarterback. And when they change the rules to where you can't even put your body weight on them, there's no coaching involved. There's really him. The coach just tells you, hey, this is how they're going to call it. This is what you got to figure out how to do. So now you have to figure out, okay, it's not about the hit anymore. It's about the ball. Kind of like how Von Miller kind of puts it. It's no longer about hurting and hitting the quarterback. It's about how can you negatively impact the team by getting that ball out as much as possible. How can you grab their hands? How can you, you know, affect the quarterback in that way? Because now if you, you, you usually get two steps to hit the quarterback, even if they throw the ball. But they're throwing the flags more on that as well. It's used now because the quarterback is paid so much, they're really protecting them, which makes sense. I'm not even, as a businessman, I'm not even against that. But as far as defense, it really sucks. It puts the handcuffs on us a little bit. But, you know, defenses are going to figure it out, and they're going to figure out better ball drills, better hand drills, better drills to, to really get the ball out on these quarterbacks. That's why you're seeing so many defensive players punch, punch at the football now, right? 100%. You know, they're going to turn to, to pe- little peanuts. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Jeff Romney, thanks for a couple of minutes, man. Great information, and we'll talk to you down the line. Thank you, Larry, man. I love the opportunity to be here. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Jay Bromley, 
When we return, we'll take more of your phone calls. We also have a complete NFL scoreboard for you as Kansas City is uh, on the march against Tennessee. We'll update that score and all the scores of the day next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Let's get to West Orange. That's where Scott's hanging out with 98.7. What's up, Scott? Larry, Larry, my man, Pots and Pants, I'm happy to speak to you. I've known you over the years, and I'm happy to see you on the dial. I know you from back in the day, 1190, back on the AM dial, mm-hmm. IBC, Sutton, and you had your own show back in the day, and here you are still doing your thing. Beautiful. Thank you, Scott. Beautiful. Yep. And so I just want to say, brother, um, so I, I'm a Jet season ticket holder. Mm-hmm. I went to Green Bay. You know, for uh, 24 years, we've been going to a different city. Went to Green Bay this year. We won. But do you think, in my opinion, do you think Zach is the answer? Scott, it's too early to say. I think that he has shown – I think he's shown – thanks for the phone call and the kind words. I think he has shown uh, some tendencies. I think a game like today, if he continues along this vein, he could be a really, really good football player. He could be a solid quarterback that gives you a chance to win every week, which is what you're looking for. So I do think, but once again, it's been early. And if he can string forth some games, and it's really, it's kind of unfortunate because we picked on him. He had three interceptions last week. And before that, he really had not turned the football over in a couple of games. It was just one of those games where he was running all over the place and tried to do too much. And in, in the years, Scott, that I've had the conversations and had the opportunity to chat with quarterbacks, young quarterbacks will always tell you, and it's funny, no matter who it is, they have the same story. <laughs> it's how they think. It's how they're wired. It's, I still believe I can make a play, and I'm going to wait to the very last second before I have to give it up so that I can make a play. They always believe it. It's how they were taught. It's how they were it's how they played. It's how they've evolved as quarterbacks, that they always think they have confidence in their arm. They have confidence that they can make a play, and that's what they do. So they will always tell you that that's how they feel. They can make a play. And so I think today's difference was, and earlier Mark from Newark talked about the West Coast offense, one of the callers. And the West Coast offense really, to make it simple, is what they really do is they kind of make it so all you have to do is look at one half the field. There's two people open. There's your first read and your second read. And you should not you should not really have time for a third read. The ball should be gone. That's how most coaches teach the West Coast offense. And so when you look, when you see Zach Wilson running and running, you're like, no, throw it away. There's, there's nobody open. If you've looked at your first two options, you're, you're pressing it. You got to get rid of it. And so... That's what concerns you was last week running around, running backwards when New England did the pressure and did the blitzing and do the different things that put the extra pressure on him. He didn't respond well. This week he did a better job. He got rid of the football quickly. Uh, Samini told you when he joined us, it was like two, 2.3 seconds, something like that, the fastest he's ever gotten rid of it. And it, it gave him the opportunity, three-step drop, put your foot in the ground, let it go. And you could see the difference in accuracy. You could see the difference in his in his performance. Okay, no 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 interceptions today. 
He had one fumble because the defense uh, punched the ball out. He lost it, and he lost an opportunity for the Jets to get three on there. But, I mean, 18 of 25. I mean, that means he only missed seven seven incompletions. I mean, you know, one touchdown, 154 yards, but no picks. I mean, is it is it like, ooh, what a great performance, 500-yard day? No, that's not what it is. But what it is, it's a winning team performance. Okay, that's what today was. So to answer your question, Scott, I think the jury is still out on 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 the Zach Wilson. Maybe over the next couple of games, by the end of the season, we'll look back and we'll see how he's improved, what he was able to do. I'll say this, a key thing for him today was the fact that he was able to bounce back from a bad performance last week. That's major. That showed that he put it behind him. That showed that he uh, focused in on his training, on his preparation. And he did a he did a much better job. He was a winning quarterback, and it wasn't just about him. It was about him, and it was about I think Michael Lafleur doing a really good job in balancing the offense. wasn't He wasn't throwing the ball 40, 50 times. Okay, they were able to run the ball. And so it was more of a complimentary Zach Wilson than it was last week. And ultimately, that's what it's going to take for this Jet team to win. It's going to take complimentary football and leaning on this defense, which is getting better and better every week. When we return, we'll take you around the National Football League and we'll update you on the Kansas City-Tennessee score. That's next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. We begin at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. It was the Jets beating the Buffalo Bills 20-17 in the game you heard right here on 98.7 ESPN. Zach Wilson, 18-25, 154 yards, a touchdown, no pitch. Jets ran for 174 yards. Josh Allen, 18 of 34, no touchdowns, passing. He ran for one, two picks. He was sacked five times. Oh, by the way, nine carries for 86 yards for Josh Allen, along of 36. Stephon Diggs, five receptions out of 10 targets, 93 yards, no touchdowns, no receptions in the second half. Great job by the Jets' defense. Elsewhere in the National Football League, Patriots over Indianapolis 26-3. Mac Jones, 20 of 30, 147 yards, one touchdown. Sam Ellinger, 15 of 23, 103 yards a pick. He was also the Colts' leading rusher, 39 yards on five carries. How about the Miami Dolphins? They hold on to beat the Chicago Bears 35-32. Tua, tackle the lower, 21 of 30, 302 yards, three touchdowns. The tag team of Hill and Waddle combined for 228 yards and two of those two or three touchdowns. Justin Fields, he was the the Bears' offense. 17 of 28, 123 yards, threw for three touchdowns, ran for another touchdown, also gained 178 yards on the ground. Wow. Chargers over the Falcons, 2017. Justin Herbert, 20 of 43, 245 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Marcus Mariota, 12 of 23, 129 yards, no picks, but also no touchdowns. It was the Joe Mixon show in the Bengals' 42-21 win over Carolina. For Mixon, 22 carries, 153 yards, and four rushing touchdowns. Mm -hmm. 
four rushing touchdowns. Oh, by the way, he then caught four passes for 58 yards. And yes, another touchdown. Baker Mayfield, 14 of 20, 155 yards and two touchdowns in the loss to Carolina. And by the way, that game was not as close as it sounds. And 42-21 doesn't sound close. It was worse than that. What in the name of Aaron Rodgers is going on in Green Bay? They lose 15-9. Jared Goff, 14 of 26, 137 yards, two touchdowns and one pick. Aaron Rodgers. Ready? 23 of 43, 291 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. Packers are now three and six. And nobody is relaxing in Green Bay. Greg Joseph, 28-yard field goal was the game winner. Minnesota improves to 7-1 and one with a 2017 win over Washington. Kirk Cousins, enjoy playing against his former team, huh? 22 of 40, 265 yards, two scores, and a pick. Taylor Heineke, 15 of 28, 149 yards, also two touchdowns and a pick in the loss. Jacksonville shuts out Vegas in the second half. They win 27-20. Trevor Lawrence, 25 of 31, 235 yards and a touchdown. Travis Etienne Jr., 28 carries, 109 yards and two scores. Derek Carr, I don't know what's going on in Vegas. He's not having a good year. They're just not playing well. 21 of 36, 259 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Seattle <laughs> beats Arizona 31-21. You know Geno Smith? Continues to play winning football. This guy's 26 of 34, 275 yards, two touchdowns. He did have one interception. Kenneth Walker III, 26 carries, 109 yards, and two touchdowns. Kyler Murray, 25 of 33, 175 yards, and two touchdowns. But Arizona continues to struggle. You heard me mention it with my guest, Jay Bromley. Tom Brady tossed a one-yard touchdown pass to Kate Oden with nine seconds remaining. But 16-13 over the Rams. Brady took over with 44 seconds left. Goes 5 of 6 for 60 yards on the game-winning drive. The record 55th game-winning drive of his career. Seven-time Super Bowl champion avoiding his first four-game losing streak in two decades. He beats the Rams for the first time in four tries since joining Tampa in 2020. Brady finished 20. Brady finished 36 of 58, 280 yards, and a touchdown. Matthew Stafford, 13 of 27. 165 yards and one touchdown in the loss. Right now, Kansas City with a 3-0 lead over Tennessee. And uh, Patrick Mahomes has the ball. Malik Willis getting the start for Ryan Tannehill in a tough situation. Arrowhead Stadium is, uh, you know, one of those places in Kansas City where <laughs> it's tough to play. <laughs> it is tough to play. And, of course... We've got the Monday night matchup tomorrow night. That is week nine. All the scores in the National Football League with uh, Baltimore and New Orleans tomorrow night. 1-800-919-3776. Robbie's in Massachusetts. Robbie, you are next on the drive. Hey, what's going on, Gordon? Larry, how are you? Uh, well, Robbie, um... I'm doing great. <laughs> okay, I didn't know for a second. I heard another voice. I'm doing You got it. All right, there you are. Are you there? I'm here. Talk to me, Robbie. Okay, I got gotcha. you. All right, well, can I make a comment about the Rangers first before sure, I talk ahead. about the next? All go right. Ahead. Chris Drury, please go out and get some wingers that go north and south. I'm sick and tired of watching the Rangers go around the net. I mean, they don't get enough from the bottom six, and right now Kreider's not scoring. 
Panarin is, is really not scoring. Zabadjad scores. But, I mean, it's too soft a team. I, I kept saying to somebody, I want um, – you know, I want to trade, uh, what's your call, for Brian Noonan and Stefan Mateau now. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the type of player they need, though. They need guys that work the corners, guys that play. There was no forecheck tonight. There's no. They kept giving the puck back to Detroit in the second period. They're chasing Detroit the whole time. So, to me, they just got to get some different style players. I Would would you trade a guy like maybe a Lafreniere or a Kako or some of these young players to get maybe, you know, maybe an up-and-down winger, a guy who could score? Because they need some, some serious extra scoring on these lines. I and so saying, I get your comments Robbie. on that. Yeah. yeah. And then, saying, um, Robbie, yeah, go I'll, ahead. I'll, I'll, tell, yeah. I'll answer that right now and I'll let you finish. I hear what yeah. you're saying. I'm just, I, I don't know if I want to trade my young players so quickly. Let me, let me let them play a little bit. I mean, yeah. they got to the conference finals last year, Robbie. Let me see right. what they can no. do. Well, you know what? Let me see what they can do. I, yeah. and, and you know, if right. I have to make an adjustment, then I will. Yeah. Well, also too, that this Ryan Lindgren a lot and he don't play well tonight. I, th- I thought Kako was the best player on the ice. So mm-hmm. Kako's improving. I mean, look, look, they don't score a lot, but you know what I'm saying? It's a long season. And obviously, you know, they make some adjustments. I didn't understand sure. why, um, why Igor didn't play tonight, but Hawk played well and he really played well. He got, he got him the point. So anyway, about the next two, yeah. Larry, how the hell do you give up 27, three pointers? How do you not defend the perimeter? I thought Tebow was all about defense. I mean, think about this. The Knicks scored 118 points last night and lost. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. pathetic in your own yeah. building. I, uh, am I missing something with Thibodeau and his defense, or they just don't feel they're like not the defense? same. They don't have the same um, tenacity on defense tenacity. that you saw a couple yeah. of years ago with that team. It's a little different team. It's more based on offense. Uh, so you're right. not seeing the same thing. He'll have to make some adjustments because you can't continue to give up threes like that. And, they, and they've done ridiculous. that really all season, Robbie. They've, they've given up. Yeah, I they've know. been susceptible to the three. It's just that yeah. Boston just killed them with it last night. Absolutely. And also hats off to the Jets. You know, the floor is finally learning, you know, take your quarterback, put him in a position to win. I thought the defense played great. I think it's an incredibly important victory for the franchise. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, you. could you imagine now if the Giants had this much talent <laughs> with, with the way their coaching is, but yeah. I thought Robert Sala, I thought the team coached a good game today. So the yeah, floor is learning and Zach's learning. And so hopefully they continue to do well. So anyway, Larry, thanks for the time. I always enjoy the show. All right, Robbie, thanks, thanks for checking in and the kind words. Yeah, listen, they're all growing together, right? The head coach is growing, the offensive coordinator is growing, the defensive coordinator is growing, and the quarterback's growing. They're all growing together. And, you know, you hope if you're Joe Douglas and, and uh, Woody Johnson and company that that's what you have. You Everybody grows together. They age. They, they get on the same pace. They have great chemistry, and that's how you learn, and that's how you grow. So you're hoping that they all learn at the same pace. They learn together. And, you know, th- you, you gain success and you enjoy days like this. But you also understand that when you have days like this, that you are now putting yourself on the map. Everybody watch. Everybody's going to take notice what you were able to do against a very, very potent Buffalo Bills offense. Okay, everybody knows. Everybody saw what you were able to do. So this... Your adjustments coming out of the bye are going to be interesting because you will be tested quickly. You've got New England in New England. And you heard Samini tell you when he was on earlier, all the players are talking about New England. Okay, now they were talking about New England before. Now they're really talking about New England. So they have to be ready because New England, you know, they find ways. With Belichick, they find ways to beat you. And so you have to learn from, you know, your last game. And that means you can't turn the football over. You have to execute. You have to be smart. That's how you beat teams 
like the New England Patriots. That wraps up this edition of The Drive here on 987 ESPN. Special thanks to Ritz Amini and Jay Bromley for joining me. Uh, Joe, Julian, and Jacob, thank you as well. We will not be on with Gordon Damer, ESPN New York tonight, tomorrow night. We'll step away because of the Knicks and Timberwolves. Dan Grassa anchors our coverage beginning at 7 o'clock, tip off just after 8.30. When we return, Ty Butler will take over. Line him up for Ty, 1-800-919-3776. He'll talk Jets, he'll talk Knicks, he'll talk, need not talk the Lakers. Ty Butler's next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.